This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, what's up, Buck fans? It's RBT back again with another live stream. And this time we have a special guest. We have Chad, For- Chad Forbes from NFL Draft Bites. And of course, my usual guest, co-host, Michael Plass is with us. Um... So, Chad, let everyone know what you do, what you like to do, and where they can find you. Well, you can find me on Twitter at NFL Draft Bites. And, Hi, what's uh, up, Buck fans? It's RBT. I cover the in. NFL with a mostly a focus on the draft, free agency. And uh, give me a follow on Twitter. I love to engage my audience. So if you want to talk uh, anything, just slide into my DMs. Cool, cool, cool. So, obviously, we have you here because there was a little bit of news in the offseason. The Bucks signed a pretty big free agent in Tom Brady. So you are all about NFL everything. So what kind of an impact will Tom Brady have on this Bucks roster, Bucks team, and just Bucks draft? Everything Bucks. You know, a lot of moving parts. You're going to have to shape the team around TB12 and go in that direction. Arians is going to have to adapt his offense to accommodate really what is Tom Brady's skill set at 43 years old. And, uh, It'll definitely impact the draft. I think you're going to see a heavy offensive draft, getting an offensive tackle, running back, probably a wide receiver in the later rounds, maybe a pass rusher, some depth on the offensive line. So the defense really made some strides at the end of last year under Todd Bowles, and now it's about getting Bruce Arians' offense up to speed, and uh, he's got obviously the goat to do it. That's pretty – so that's pressing. So before we get into the draft real quick, so you said he's going to have to, I guess, cater his offense to Brady. So do you not think he can throw the ball deep, or do you just think you're going to see a lot more like screens, short, quick passes, or is that just something Brady will do himself based off of decision-making? You're going to see more short, intermediate passing game driven towards the middle of the field, less boundary sideline throws. They've got some big-body guys. That I don't think there's going to be necessarily a huge need for like the undersized slot receiver you saw up in New England. Guys like Mike Evans and Godwin can go in the slot and win, and they've got some depth at wide receiver. And then obviously the tight ends can really help you control the middle of the field. So I think it's that to start. And then, you know, once you can get the running game hopefully more established, which you should if you get a better running back in there, I don't really believe in Ronald Jones, you should be able to take some deep shots down the field out of play action. And the question is going to be Brady, his movement skills, and how you want to get that running game going out of probably more of a shotgun-based offense. But uh, there's just loads of talent there. You see why he was attracted to coming down to Tampa and joining Bruce Arians. So, I mean – you're not a big fan of Ronald Jones? Just Ronald little, Jones is heading quick towards being a bust. Really? Oh, I mean, he is such a... I mean... Oops. You still with us, Chad? Oh, did we well, lose Chad? <laughs> we may have lost him, but I guess go on. Why would you think he thinks it's a, a bust? Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, uh, I think, you know, Rojo... I mean, maybe it's just, I don't know, something the way he runs or um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I thought he was coming on stronger towards the end of the year. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how high they take a running back, um, you know, in this year's draft. Um, that'll be uh, fun to watch just to see if, if they value, you know, a certain guy um, that high and, you know, maybe he would take over for Ronald. I don't know. But I like the way Rojo's progressing, but. Uh, maybe he's missing um, more yards on the field. I mean, as far as vision goes, maybe he's not seeing it correctly. Maybe that's something Chad sees. I don't know. <laughs> I, we know the pass. We know the pass protection is is not good. It needs right. to be better. Um, well, catching the catching the ball is okay, 
this is all like a different perspective too. This is someone who covers yeah. all of the Bucks. <laughs> right. Rendak yeah. said Mark hung up on him because he couldn't because <laughs> he backed out with Rojo. Uh, no, I, I honestly didn't, but I, I'll call him back right now. Another thing, guys, he can't hear Pless, so I'm going to be yeah. relaying everything. So if Pless says something, I just redo it. I'm sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. But let's give him a call back and see what the heck happened. Maybe I did hang up on him. I don't know. But uh, let's see if we can get him back on the phone. I don't agree with it either, but I think mm-hmm. how can you call someone a bus after two years? Yeah, right. Or actually a year. His first year didn't do anything. Let's see. Hopefully answer. If you don't answer, on to the next. <laughs> hey, sorry about that, I lost you. Chad, we're back on, don't worry. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're actually talking about it before. I lost you about you called Ronald Jones or forgive me Ron Jones people want to call him Ron Jones because Brady called him Ron uh, a bust already after pretty much only starting a year he didn't get play under Dirk Cutter and now he only has a year where he actually had kind of backup position behind Peyton Barber and you're very strong in that bust title Just I think going back to on. when he I think when he went, we go back to the draft, there were some questions coming out with his maturity questions and just how he handled the whole draft process, lingered into his rookie year. And if a guy who's drafted that high in the second round can't beat out Peyton Barber, he's got some issues. Well, he ended up beating him out at the end of the year. Well, another reason why I yeah. like doing this is just it's different perspective, hearing what other people think about the Bucks too. I, I guess if you're looking internally and you're you know Bruce Arians and you're Jason List, you're saying running back's a huge need. I don't think it's something you can wait to let be addressed on maybe day three of the draft. I think it's got to be a day two priority. Oh, I kind of agree with that, too. And I agree with the offensive line as well because our right tackle hole. But, uh, Mike, I'll let you get a question in because you're just standing there. And I'll <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, you know, speaking of running backs, I mean, what, what would be his rankings as far as, you know, RB goes? Um you know what? Or what would be the best running back fit? Point. If you're not established as a running back in the NFL by the third year in the league, um, you're going to have your replacement getting drafted onto the roster pretty soon. Yeah. So that, that was his question. So, like, what is considering the draft? Where do you see priority of draft picks? Like, where do you see running back being taken? I know you said second day. Would you say second round, third round, and then how would you rank them for the Bucks according to what Brady would like too? I think second round is where the running backs are going to start to go off the board, DeAndre Swift, the Dobbins. And if you risk it, wait until 75, unless they can possibly work a trade down from 14, maybe get back in the end of the second round. You could see all the guys gone by 75. So I think right there at 45 or somewhere in the second round spot to add one. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire really fits well under Kevin Falk at LSU, has a lot of those similarities in the passing game. Tough between the tackles runner. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Maurice Jones-Drew. I also think DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins would be really good options. I think the Dolphins are really keyed in on uh, J.K. Dobbins, so if you want to get him, you're going to have to get ahead of them at 39. Swift might end up going ahead of 39, so there at 45, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire makes some sense. I've heard Cam Akers tied to the Bucks really since early in the fall. And then a name that I've heard late on them, and he's kind of like a multidimensional player, is uh, Memphis' Antonio Gibson. Yeah. You, th- you think he's going to go day two, though? I don't see Antonio. I mean, it's interesting, Gibson, because he's got you know 75 or so college touches, excluding the return game. He went to the combine, had a freak workout. And then you turn on those 75 touches, you're just really blown away, and you're starting to hear some subtle Alvin Kamara comparisons where Ooh. he might have been a little bit, you know, kind of behind a few guys on the depth chart, but when he got his chance to show it, he did. So he's a really tantalizing player for somebody that wants to play a little bit more of like a positionless football where you could put him at running back and you can also motion him out into the slot. And he can then provide some value in the return game. He's a really interesting player. Not necessarily sure the Buccaneers will take kind of a risk on him because it'd be a little rich there at 45. But I think more kind of a Clyde Edwards Hilaire is probably the fit, or Cam Akers from Fort State. I think we're both with you on the Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like we yeah, just, agreed. We just did a video breakdown of him. I mean, he. I didn't even know Kevin Falk was a running, running backs coach, I'm assuming. He's, he's on the staff at LSU, and he's uh, really been all throughout the draft process saying the kids just kind of like his, I guess, mentee and really just very high on him. I mean, that's another Patriots uh, alum, I guess you would say, but or just loophole. But but 
let's move on to the draft. Obviously, we're already talking about it, but I wanted to bring up this point. So you had a tweet out there saying about how is interesting draft season rumor. Vikings looking to trade up to the first round for a wide receiver. Interested in Buccaneers slot 14th overall to move ahead of Broncos. Believe target one of the consensus top wide receivers. I'd bet it's CeeDee Lamb. So elaborate more on that. Do you think it is possible they come up to 14? And how much would the price tag be? And if the Bucks are trading back, does that mean just their guy's not there, or they just want more draft capital? See, just based on how the draft will flow, I think the tackles are going to be off the board by 14. So I think you'll see a run on tackles starting at either 4 or 6, where the four top consensus tackles will be off the board. And then I think you see a run on wide receivers starting somewhere around 9. Now, obviously the Broncos are in on wide receivers, the Jets at 11 are there, Raiders at 12. So the Vikings, and I heard this before the injury news on Brandon Ayuk came out, so the league had already kind of reacted to the fact that he would need core muscle surgery, and that takes one of the one-on-one wide receivers that would be there for the Vikings at 22 kind of off their board. And if CeeDee Lamb somehow makes it down to the Bucks at 14 and you say one of the offensive tackles you like isn't there, it makes some sense to slide down to 22 and pick up an extra second. So you think it'd be just a, a first and a, their first and their second, not their two firsts? Because they have two first-round picks, right? No, I mean, maybe they'd be willing to part with that, and then you'd have to send back 45, or they could get creative. But I see something more like uh, the Vikings send 22 and 58, or 22, 58, and one of their late seventh-round picks. I think that would be fair value, especially for the Buccaneers, who could really use an extra second-round pick to address not only running back, but I think they're also looking at some of the young quarterbacks like Jacob Eason and uh, maybe a potential developmental pass rusher if beyond this year you don't think you can keep Shaq Barrett. A name I've got heard there numerous times really all through the fall was Josh Uchi from Michigan. He's a guy that they're very high on. Yeah, I'm really high on him as well. Um, quick question. So if if the wide receiver is there, obviously you think the offensive tackle position is what the Bucks are looking at. If they trade down, are they just trying to get – I guess the fifth best offensive tackle, because you're saying like the top four will probably be gone. Is that what but they're going to target? Definitely a, there's definitely a tier one group, and I'm not necessarily high on all four of the guys, be it Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, Andrew Thomas, and Mekki Becton, specifically latter. I don't, I don't love Becton, but uh, everything you're hearing is that he's going to go in the top half of the first round. So if you're the Buccaneers sitting at 14, those four guys are gone. That, just kind of by process of elimination of the top prospects in this draft, there's going to be a wide receiver there. And if there's not, then you can probably have to look at a defensive player because I just don't think, and I know they're high on Josh Jones from Houston, but I just don't see that being a value selection at 14th overall. So if you get there and you're lit and you're sitting on the clock and it's a defensive tackle like Javon Kinlaw or a wide receiver, you've got to be answering phone calls uh, from either the Jaguars, the Vikings, somebody trying to come up. Very true. I mean, yeah, I would agree with that. I, you oh, know, Chad, I, a question coming up. Yeah, Chad, I would ask, like, if the Bucks can't go tackle first round, I mean, does does that mean they have to go one in the second round, or do you see this class, this offensive tackle class, being strong enough where you could get one, you know, in the third round or later that could be starter uh, quality? So Mike had a question: just if the Bucks can't get a first round pick offensive tackle, how deep do you see this offensive tackle class? Like, do you see them going second round, and how how much value do you see in the offensive tackle class this year? It's a very good group, and the question is, how quickly do they come off the board? And if, if you're at 14 and one of your guys doesn't make it down to you, you can't assume one will make it to 45, whether it's an Ezra Cleveland, Isaiah Wilson from Georgia, or Austin Jackson from USC. I, I see Austin Jackson going in the first round. And I think you just look at the need around the league. It's a tackle right now. It's a premium position. Yeah. Guys like Jack Conklin getting paid $14 million a year. It's just I think you look at most teams in the league, really, they, they have need a tackle, whether it's in 2020 or 2021. So I don't think you can just sit there and say, oh, we're going to take another position and then hope a, uh, a tackle makes it to us at 45. And if you do that, then you're probably sitting in a situation where one of the running backs you like won't make it to you at 76. So somehow you have to find a way to maneuver the board a little bit if you can't get your tackle at 14 and still find a way to fill those big needs. That's true. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm right, moving on. So – Hmm. So what you you mentioned a lot of other names of like guys that the Bucks are looking at. What other high names do you see? Like possible first round picks or just anywhere down the line? I think they've taken a hard look at Javon Kinlaw from South Carolina. 
uh, his defensive line coach is top bowl. They go way back. And uh, I, don't, I think just kind of to talk about a big picture, the Buccaneers have not been over the last probably four or five years very good at hiding who they're interested in. It's like throughout the fall it's pretty evident who they're on to. And uh, it tends to man itself, manifest itself on draft day. So I bring up like a guy like Uche is around two target. You know, that's, that's pretty much, you know, in stone. Everybody knows they like him. They like Cam Akers. They like Hilaire. You know, even down to the round five and six, you hear guys like Shaq Quarterman, the linebacker from the U. You know, so it's like you, you kind of know where the Bucks are looking every year. You're Jacob Eason really back to the early in the fall before he even declared. The Bucks ran on him, big guy, arm talent. that could be a developmental quarterback. So it, it's with the Bucks. It's like you know who their guys are, and it's just always interesting to see how Jason Woods tries to go about uh, bringing them onto the roster. Yeah, we are huge fans of Javon Kinlaw. And, like, if one of those offensive tackles aren't there, I would not be upset at all. I'd be extremely happy if they ran to the, the – or forgive me, not run to the podium. They would uh, run to the voice conference or whatever the hell they're going to do and say, Javon Kinlaw is my pick. Jason Light with his kids running around, jumping in the pool. But, <laughs> yeah, we just did a, another film study on him as well. I think we're big on him. Um, but also, yeah, you, you mentioned how the Bucks are very – I guess they give away who they want. And we had you on last year as well. And you were raving about how they really like Devin White. That's that's going to be the pick if he's there at five. And when he is there at five, and he's a gold jacket type of like a type of player, which I'm going to say right now, good call. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, so pretty much you're saying Jacob Beeson, Cam Akers, uh, Javon Kinlaw, guys like that are guys that, you already have heard are the kind of the top guys for the Bucks. Yeah, and, and I heard also they like Josh Jones, the tackle from Houston. And yeah. I'm not necessarily sure that he's not their fourth tackle because everybody's making this assumption that there's this first tier of tackles and everybody sees it that yeah. way, every team around the league. I don't necessarily think that's the case because if, if you like one of them and they think that he fits your scheme, not all four are going to be good fits. And, and Josh Jones – He's not the 21-year-old underclassman with huge upside, but he really did have a great senior year, especially in pass protection on the left side. I think he could switch over to the right side, and uh, I just don't. Th- I think 14 would be too rich. He'd be really deviating from your board there. But you know, you move down to 22 or 25, Josh Jones would really make a lot of sense. Yeah, speaking of the Vikings pick, so we had a question on the YouTube chat. They were wondering if Kinlaw could even make it to 14 overall for the box, and then. Would you take an offensive tackle over defensive tackle or a defensive end at fourteen? If say one of those presumed number four or top four offensive tackles are there for the Bucks? What you're hearing about Kinlaw. Kinlaw is there was medical questions on the knee at the Senior Bowl, and you have read in the reports recently that have come out about how his story of really overcoming some adversity in his life, you know, being homeless in his past. But then you also heard that he's a junior college transfer that showed up on campus at South Carolina and slept through meetings, wasn't on time. It's very rare to see a coach like Will Muschamp, who obviously his bread and butter is recruiting, right, to come out and not be extremely positive about his guys. It's almost like he's qualifying his endorsement of Javon Kinlaw. And I think the league saw that and said, whoa, that's concerning. Um, I, so I could see him making it to 14. Obviously, Bowles has a connection to Muschamp and that, that staff at South Carolina. Maybe they pull the trigger and say, we've got the right room for him. Yeah, we could put him with Sue, we could put him with JPP, and he'll learn the ropes and he'll be a great player for us. And I really think the two teams that are kind of in on him are the Cardinals and the Buccaneers there in the top 14. The Jaguars, I think, are looking too, but I could see him easily falling to 14. I could actually see him falling all the way to 20 um, if things don't work out well for him in this kind of pre-draft process. And we won't know much because teams aren't having private visits, right? So we're not getting to see where really the interest is. But uh, I think a lot of teams are doing a little bit of FaceTime with him and trying to figure out what type of kid he is and how important football is to him. So what about uh, the 49ers who are right in front of us? They just traded away their defensive tackle. Do you think they would be an option too or no? I, I do. I think the 49ers would take a look and again say, do we have the right culture where he can come in and fit into our defensive line? room? I, I don't think the 49ers go in that direction at 13. I think, it's, uh, I think they're going to try to move down from there. It's going to be hard, to, you know, probably harder to move down from 13 than it will be from the end of the first round of 31. But they don't have any second, third, or fourth round picks, so they're going to try to reaccumulate some draft capital. That's that's a given. Uh, at 13, I, I could see the 49ers going Kinlaw. I could also see Derek Brown making it outside the top 10, maybe to 12, 13. So it'll be interesting to see how this draft falls. I just see an early run on the offensive tackles. I don't see those guys really making it outside the top 11. 
and then I think the wide receiver discussion will start somewhere around nine, and that's why I've you know just heard these rumors about you know somebody looking to trade up with the Buccaneers because if the Broncos aren't gonna, the Broncos are gonna try to sit there and wait for their guy to fall into their lap. There could be a team that wants to move right ahead of them. I'd be very happy if that scenario played out. I'm being honest, uh, but Mike had a question. Since you can't hear me, we're chatting it up. Uh, what do you think about um, Caleb Vaughn Chason? Is there any rumors of him to the box, or what do you think of him as a player as well? Um, you know, Chason is probably the second best pass rusher in this draft. One year production, a torn ACL in 2018, uh, not great length. If you wanted to compare kind of his build, you'd really say it's very similar to Shaquille Barrett where he's a guy that's going to have to win with speed and bend, not necessarily power. Uh, could it make some sense? Sure. But I, I, don't see them, I don't see them being in on him. It would be kind of like a, a redshirt year as you try to develop him in behind Shaq Barrett for the idea that you know, Barrett's gone after this season. And uh, I, I just think that, you know, we mentioned earlier in the chat, they brought in Tom Brady. The offense, offense has got to be the focus. You've got to get that right. And uh, I think offensive tackle over chasing just makes so much more sense. And, you know, even if you can't trade down, say you're stuck at 14, all the, maybe one of the tackles falls to you, but even not, it, it might make most sense just to take Josh Jones there if you believe he can provide a pass-blocking solution for you at right tackle. Do you think he's, in your opinion, one of those guys that would be worth the value at 14? I don't. I don't have him in my top 20 players. I've got him like somewhere around 28 or 29th right now. I don't have a first-round grade on him, uh, but I do see that he has projectable upside in terms of being a good pass protector. Uh, I don't see much out of him in the run game that I would like to see. He's not the run blocker of the other guys in this draft, whether it's Wills or Beckton or Andrew Thomas or even Worfs. You know, these guys are those guys are in a tier of their own. So, I think the ideal situation is you know one of those guys that you like falls to you at 14. But if not, you know you might have to make a really tough decision and say, do we want to go with as you mentioned a guy like Chase on a guy like Kinlaw, or do we want to make what I would call sometimes be the mature decision and say, let's hit a double here and take a Josh Jones. Hit a double. <laughs> it'll double in the first round. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and when, if, if if you're gonna go on on Tom Brady though, you're gonna have to start. You're gonna have to hit a double because if you don't protect him at right tackle, and I mean I don't really believe in Joe Hague, and certainly don't want to think they need to bring back Demar Dotson. And I think Josh Jones, what you like about him is that he can immediately contribute. He's not a developmental guy. The other Austin Jackson, Ezra Cleveland, even a Isaiah Wilson from Georgia, those other tier two tackles have some developmental time they're gonna need where. Josh Jones is the guy that comes in right for you day one, and he can start. Well, with that said, I mean, plus has a couple questions coming, but if at 14 you, you value him as a 25 or lower player, so do I, wouldn't you think it'd be a better positional value to, to take something else or trade back to get more draft capital? I mean, it's, absolutely. it's one thing absolutely. to, you gotta, to absolutely draft on the trade Brady, back scenario. Right? Yeah, so am I, but it's, it's one thing to draft for Brady, but it's also drafting for your team because Brady's here presumably two years. And if he wins the Super Bowl this year, you, all Bucks Nation would pray and hope that happens. You never know what the second year would be. So, I mean, I would, I'm more for well, building let's for Let's just future. say hypothetically, right? Okay, if the quarterbacks, maybe maybe two of the quarterbacks, maybe Herbert and Love make it to 14, are you in on them? No, considering we have Brady, I mean, I, right. I'm more, we have all the weapons, we have something that's instilled already. Right, I mean, so you're not in on quarterbacks, you're not in on running backs or wide receivers. Now let's say the four tackles are gone. Ideal situation is one of them to make it to you. There's no interior guys worth it. Do you want to take another defensive interior defensive lineman like Kinlaw? Maybe. You're not going to take one of the inside linebackers after last year. You could take a chase on, he fits a need, maybe maybe matched up to value. And uh, you're certainly there's no safety worth that pick. And cornerback, I, I think that's probably the one position where you've got enough youth and talent. Yeah, I mean, so, with me, I personally, I would – run to the table for Ken Law just because, okay, Sue signed a one-year deal. He's already getting older. The defensive tackle position, I mean, he's getting his wear and tear. Ken Law can learn, like you said earlier, and just mature. And then, I mean, it all starts in the trenches. If you can dominate against the run and Ken Law is a pass rusher as well, where we can dominate on the defensive end, Brady just has to do enough to win. I, mean, I, agree, I agree with you. I guess – I guess as you mentioned, maybe the 49ers take Kinlaw ahead of you, and then That'd be the, scary the four tackles are gone. Kinlaw's gone. And then, then you're kind of sitting at 14, and, and you really got to get out. So, I ultimately think that if Litch is smart, he'll find a way to move out of 14 unless one of the tackles makes it to him. And I think that'll position him best to address the other needs, which are, you know, running back, edge rusher in the second round, and then uh, probably a quarterback coming back in. I, I think they're going to somehow get their hands on Jacob Eason, and I think. 
moving down from 14 to, re- to accumulate some picks will help you help you find a way to also get Jacob Eason along with the pass rusher who's developmental, maybe an Uchi, and then also the running back that you think can come in and really immediately contribute. True. And then mentioning quarterbacks, yeah, these are all plus questions. These are good things. Okay, so how many quarterbacks are top 10? Uh, Two. And it's just Tua and Joe Burrow? Tua and Joe Burrow or Joe Joe Burrow and Herbert? uh, Two out of the four will go in the top 10. Okay. Do you think the injury concerns of Tua would probably drop him? No, I think I think the Dolphins want Tua, and I think they've been kind of dancing around it all because they don't want to have to give up all of the draft picks they've accumulated over the last year to move up ahead of them. And they know the Chargers are sitting behind him with a new stadium opening and probably like Tua also. But ultimately, I, I see the Dolphins moving up, whether it's to four with the Giants or to box out the Chargers or all the way up to three. I don't think they want to give up the rants and the Lions are asking for. True. And then, so, also, how much has this pandemic hurt the unsigned free agents because of lack of physicals? I'm assuming that means Jameis Winston and his meniscus tear or just any free agent in general? Um, you know, you saw the free agents go early, and I think a lot of the guys are available right now, whether it's a Logan Ryan, a Clowney, or a Winston, are probably having some you know, difficulty coming to grips with what their market looks like. They, they were probably That's promised crazy. the moon by their agents. And uh, the dust settled, and you know, the $10 million a year offer isn't there for Logan Ryan. The $20 million a year offer isn't there for Clowney. So I think that really has more of a factor. As the teams that would have been interested in those players, that probably what their markets are today, have already allocated their money for the offseason. They're not going to go to their, <laughs> go to ownership right now and say, I need more money when the owner's saying, I don't even know if we're going to have a season. So <laughs> I, think the money's got, I think the money's gotten a little bit tighter due to the, the pandemic. And I think people are taking a lot more of a cautious approach. You've seen it really with the Raiders. I mean, they gave out these contracts with guarantees but no signing bonuses, basically saying, we don't know if there's going to be a season and we're not going to give you any cash until we know there is one. I, I fully agree with that. I mean, because a lot of people are like saying that's, that's why Winston's not signed because, oh, he had surgery. But then again, Todd Gurley, no one knows about his damn knees, and he signed immediately with the Falcons probably a day after, not even 24 hours after. And Jameis pretty much performed everything you wanted to see. He just had a minuscule meniscus surgery that it was more of a scope than anything. So, and don't think, forget he had the LASIK surgery too, right? Oh, <laughs> touche. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I think it's more... Imagine that. Your, your team sends you to get LASIK surgery and then kicks you to the curve for the 43-year-old uh, goat. <laughs> well, there's a reason why you got the goat. Uh, I believe that's the definition of don't let the door hit you on the way out. Yeah. Well, do you... All right. I gotta ask, do you think there's any possibility he comes back as a backup to Brady, or do you think no. he really wants that money? No. What you're hearing is that Jameis, and it really behooves <laughs> him to wait till after the draft and see where the best situation fit for him is. It's not like he's missing OTAs or really any install at this point. And uh, after the draft, there'll be a lot more certainty on what the Chargers have done at quarterback, where the Patriots have gone direction-wise. Do the Saints are they looking for you know a backup quarterback? And what you're hearing just through the tea leaves is that Jameis has gotten pretty serious about what his number is going to be, what he's going to make. And it's not going to be anywhere near the close to $20 million he made last year. It's going to be more in the $8 million a year range where he's going to have an opportunity to kind of rebuild his stock, hopefully with an established offensive coordinator. And, and the team that's like circling, and I think it's just everybody knows the Patriots are saying, oh, he could be a bargain for us. And you hear all this, we love Jared Stidham. But I, I think if they could don't come out of the draft with a quarterback, they might circle back on Jameis. I mean – Let's see if he'd even want to come back, right? But uh, before I let you go, I had one more question about your latest, one of your latest tweets about, let's see, where is that? Okay, why does it seem like the losers are always having jersey reveals? Last four I can remember, the Buccaneers, first team, Jeffs, Browns, Jaguars. An insight, trying winning, try winning, they'll sell jerseys quite effectively. I guess this is the get off my lawn portion of the uh, of the broadcast, right? I guess I'm not really into the you know we've got a new great jersey, come buy it at our pro shop attitude of you know NFL teams and I don't know you know I think the Buccaneers came out with their new jersey. I don't know, maybe the kids like it. I don't really see much of a difference, and I kind of like the old school orange they had going anyway. So if you're going to do it, you know it's kind of like the logo that came out for the LA teams. If you're going to do it, at least do it right. Yeah, I think they just admitted defeat when they came out with their new ones, and they just went back to what they pretty much had already, which is working. 
And now... You know, what I, what I did think was interesting was Godwin was one of the guys that was showcased in his new number 14. Yeah, that was cool. To actually see it yeah. that works too. And he's pretty much the face. If you're providing him, Devin White and Levante David, that's pretty cool. All right, all yeah. right. Other than that, thank you, Chad, for everything, all the insight, all the names you dropped and the work you do over the year just to give us stuff like this. But before I leave you, I let you go, give everyone a shout out and tell them where they can find you. Guys, you can find me on Twitter at NFL Draft Fights. And uh, if you don't like what I'm saying, you can just tweet at me and uh, hopefully we'll have a good competitive discussion. So thanks for the time, guys, and uh, hopefully we'll do this again soon. Awesome, Chad. Thank you, Chad. Awesome, awesome. But I guess I'm going to give a little plug to uh, our Facebook group. Come join. We're going live. <laughs> Other than that, we are back. And plus, now that people can hear you, right. what, did, what did you think of everything that he said? No, I mean, there's a lot of uh, interesting things brought up, I think. I mean, he makes a great point as far as the trade back scenario, um, especially if, if – if he says is correct as far as the top four offense tackles being gone. Um, but it looks like there's going to be options, you know, whether it be Kinlaw or maybe Derek Brown potentially sliding there at 14. And I'm with you. I, I would he would not hesitate taking um, Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown um, if available. But, you know, I can see it where, you know, teams are going to be looking to move up, um, like you said, the Vikings. But I would worry about, you know, the 49ers maybe wanting to trade back too. So, or the Vikings try to deal with them instead of us, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, I'd be fine trading back and getting more picks. Like he said, um, I'm not sure on the Jacob Eason, but I know that has been um, a hot topic throughout the off season. You know, it seems like the bucks really do like him. So um, I agree with, as far as the running back situation goes, as far as um, Clyde Edwards, Alaire or Cam Akers, I, I like them a lot. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be uh, mad about that at all. Um, but yeah, I mean, Josh Jones, I mean, that's interesting. He brings him up, but I, I wouldn't take him at 14. I would be kind of disappointed in that. Um, you know, hopefully they can, they can trade down and then, you know, take him later, um, you know, around in the twenties or so, um, and get extra picks. I, I'd be fine with that. Yeah. I'd be very upset. We took Josh Jones at 14. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, in one fashion, he's right about us giving away who the hell we're going to take at 14 or at our first round pick. Right. But to be honest, after our first round pick, you don't know anyone. I mean, right. they never give away anything. I mean, I hope they're looking at Nate Stanley, the guy that they looked at in the combine. Right. I, I like later. He, yeah. I like he said, Josh Uche as well. Yeah. Um, I, I really, really like, like him. That guy, name too. Yeah. So that'd be a good pick. Um, but again, I mean, it, it kind of tends to seem like they're going to try to make some trades, um, especially with the guys that he was mentioning you know, if these are these targets for the Bucks, I mean, they're going to need more draft picks than what they currently have. So, I mean, my thing is, so let's actually jump into, before we keep talking, everyone's probably here for the jersey reveal. So let me oh. actually bring up the jersey reveal, what it looks like. And this is my one of my favorite pictures of what I saw. Levante David looking like a monster. Yeah, pretty much, good. what are your initial thoughts of it? And I, I kind of said it was just a throwback to what it was before, but what do you think? No, I think it's very clean. Uh, again, it's a nice look. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much the Super Bowl uniforms, uh, basically. I do like the uh, the pewter rush, so or the pewter color. Yeah, that's very nice. And I like the all white, you know, obviously with the red, and, and they can mix and match with those colors. So I, I think that's really good. The pewter rush is legit i'm not gonna lie that is right. a badass look it's very clean yeah and it would look great you know especially on sunday night games and stuff like that and i'm pretty sure that chris godwin picked that as the one he was like oh that's my that's my go-to like, yeah I remember when they said oh which which one do you like one right. two or three he's like oh my three is my dog like i don't know what he said but he said three was like yeah. his favorite and i i fully agree that that one caught my eye the most yeah because the red and the white, you've, we've seen that before. I mean, really, mm -hmm. their their big selling point is, oh, the Buccaneers here is, is different. And uh, now the pirate ship is over here. I mean, really, it's the same thing. It's the same thing, but different logo. I mean, it's a little different, um, 
you know, ship as far as the flag and stuff. But, but yeah, I mean, very similar to the Super Bowl uniforms, and I, I like it. I think it's a good look. I don't think they should ever been changed. So I like that it's brought back, and they even have the orange in there as far as you know, outlining the numbers and. Uh, you know, I think it's something that they can continue to build off of if they want to add more jerseys down the, you know, down the line. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, my biggest thing is I agree with you that I didn't really want to change it. I wanted to keep it how I didn't think it needed to be changed. Right. It brings everyone to the mind of, oh, this was a winning team, winning culture, because when we wore that, we pretty much were winning every year, or at least our defense was nasty. Yeah. I do love that Chad Forbes mentioned – Javon Kinlaw, if he's there at 14, the connection he said must champ and Todd Bowles, I wouldn't even yeah. hesitate for a second. I mean, I, yeah, I go. I agree. I agree. I mean, I thought my argument was good. He agreed with it and didn't really have a rebuttal. And it's, yes, I think you can just take an offensive tackle second round. If he mentioned all these names of offensive tackles and you don't believe in Joe Haig, okay, well, just give me someone who can do a good job of, of pass blocking. Yes, if Jedrick Wills is there, take him. I mean, I to me, he's our he's the best offensive tackle in this draft. And if he falls just based on, or well, he doesn't have the potential that Mackay Becton or uh, Tristan Wirfs has, or I don't know why people put them so high. I guess it's just based off of potential. Yeah, it's potential. I, yeah, I, I, I'm more of a, I, I see what I see, and I, I want that playing on my field on Sunday. Right. Yeah, I, I really like Andrew Thomas. I, I think if he's available at, at 14, I think that's a good pick. Um, Jedrick Wills as well. Um, but again, I, I think it goes to what Chad was saying about how many offensive tackles are going to go first round. And, you know, I think we had, what, seven in our mock draft that we did. So it just depends on how many are going to go in that first round. I mean, he pretty much, you know, seven. yeah, I mean, if how long can you wait? You know, that's the thing. So I don't think you can wait very long. Um, if you get to the third round and you still need a tackle, I mean, you might be reaching a little bit, but might just have to might just have to force it and take one because you know the quality is going to continue to go down as as these guys get taken. So um, yes, it's a deep class, but you want a starter ready guy to put in there. So especially with Brady being here, and I agree with them as far as you know you want to put the best around Brady as you can, but. You know, you also have to do what's best for the team, like you said. And I think if Kinlaw is there, I think that'd be a great pick. My other argument is, okay, if you say it's so deep, give me the best pass blocker. So everyone's saying, oh, we we need right. to throw five step, seven step drops. And then give me the best pass blocker that's available at that position. I mean, I Tristan Josh... Wirfs is not a good pass blocker right now. Why would yeah. you want him at number fourteen, even if he did fall? Jedrick Wills is the best pass blocker, in my opinion. And he just doesn't have the biggest size. If he falls because of that and he's at 14, I'd be happy as hell. Right. I mean, and I, I think that's why Josh Jones gets brought up in the conversation as well, because he is a great pass blocker. He is one of the top pass blockers in this class. Uh, he knows how to do it well, and he can play probably play both sides and probably be a future left tackle if, if needed if you're not going to bring back Donovan Smith. So, yeah, I could easily see um, – you know, Josh Jones being in consideration, but that's after, you know, potentially trading back, um, you know, maybe down to 22. On staying on draft coverage, we have a question in the chat. I can't pronounce that first name, buddy. I'm sorry. It's X Clue Garvey. I believe that's what it is. He said, how would Isaiah Simmons look in this defense? Uh, it, would, it, it, would be, it would be fun to have him, uh, but I see him being one of those top 10 guys. Um, I doubt he makes it past 12. Um, and he's really good, uh, freak athlete, and he can do a lot of different things. He'd be fun to have because I know Todd Bowles and how he likes to have you know those chess piece type of players, and Isaiah Simmons is definitely one of those. You put him with Devin White and Levante David, uh, that's a lot of speed to work with, and the guy can play in the slot as well. Um, cover tight ends, do it all. So it'd be really fun, but I doubt he makes it to our pick. I doubt he makes it to our pick as well as, I mean, he's a linebacker slash safety. So that's usually a strong safety. Mm -hmm. I feel like we have a lot of those. We don't have many free safeties. We don't have guys that cover space. Right. I feel like Isaiah Simmons, based on his size in general, he'd be better closer to the line. Again, on tight ends, man on man, so damn big, so damn fast. Use him that way, but I mean, I think 
this defense is more about the front seven. And if, I mean, he could fit in there, but it'd be a tricky one. But I I just don't think he'll be there available. And I just don't think he's what we really need right now kind of thing. Right, right. All right, real quick, I want more looking at the uniforms. Just showing how that pure one was the number three option. Devin White has his eyes set on that red. Yeah. But, I mean, it's cool that, I mean, the Bucks media, I got to give them their, their kudos, their hurrahs. Do a great job. Yeah, they, yeah, they're damn good. I mean, even that little video, it came out literally at 1 o'clock exactly. Oh, and yeah, schedule tweet. Right, and I sent it out. But it's like, that's cool. Like, just the hyping it, letting your best players see it. And, again, it was the three that saw it prior that put on the jerseys and advertised it for all Bucks Nation. And then mm-hmm. this, if no one's seen it, probably everyone's seen it. If they saw our Twitter. I mean, look how legit that is. I love yeah. that, damn. Everything I love is based on the past, but, oof. Yeah, I just think it fits very well, especially with the, the helmet, too. I, I think that's all, really, they needed to upgrade was the helmet, and they did a great job with that. And now these uniforms really match um, – you know, well with the helmet, I think it all syncs very well um, and blends blends together uh, very nicely. Yeah, I'm just looking at it again. It's just very clean, very like how Bruce Arian said. It's very classic. But also, I wanted to bring up this little story about it's not just the uniform with Levante David. This is a story about Levante and Tom Brady. He said how what what does Tom Brady bring? He brings it just a winning mentality. An attitude, knowing what it takes to get there. And this is this is what your teammate, one of your, pretty much the longest longevity Buccaneer right now, saying these things. Right. And then all the guys in the locker room want, that's what everybody wants is just to win. Win it all. I mean, the perfect guy for us, why? Because I know a lot of guys are leaning on him. I know we've got a lot of guys in our locker room who would love to soak up knowledge. I mean, this is things you want to hear about an up-and-coming team. If you all haven't read this yet, Obviously, Buccaneers.com. Check it out. It's not just the jerseys. It's Levante David just, I guess, drooling over what Tom Brady can bring. Him itching for the playoffs. Hasn't been there in a long time. He's been here eight years. Hasn't done it. Just, I mean, pretty much everything we've kind of said about how Brady's going to be bringing all this winning mentality. This He's the winningness everything. And he's coming to a team that hasn't won. I think it's the losingest franchise in NFL history. Right now? Yeah, most losing sports franchise. <laughs> so, I mean, do you agree with him? Do you see, like, Brady was the perfect answer for us? Yeah, I agree. I think what Brady's going to bring is going to be bigger. It's going to be bigger off the field as far as his impact goes. I think his impact in the locker room, impact in the meetings, impact um, just talking with players on the practice field. I think his impact is going to come Monday through Saturday. Um, and then Sunday is just going to be more easy because of that, because of what he's bringing um, week to week. So the preparation, I think, is going to be his biggest asset uh, going forward for this season, especially with what we're dealing with right now. Um, you know, I think that's going to have the biggest impact because he's going to make sure these guys are ready come Sunday, where Sunday is pretty much the easy part because of how hard they prep. Uh, during the week and I think that's going to make a huge impact guys are going to understand like this is their job now this is important they're going to have that winning mentality because he instills it in them so it's really going to be awesome to see how guys mature and how these younger guys really take a step forward Um, you look at like the secondary like Jamel Dean Sean Murphy Bunting you know Carlton Davis all those guys on defense I think are going to take a step forward but then the young guys on offense like your Scotty Miller's um, even Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, all those guys I think are going to take steps um, forward. The offensive linemen I think are going to take steps forward. So it's really good of, of we we as Bucks fans, we don't know what we're getting into right now because he's going to bring something completely different that we really haven't seen as far as the franchise goes, at least not till going back to our Super Bowl days, I would say. I mean, this kind of brings me to this question. So he kind of put out there saying this team's young, it's hungry, it just wants, I guess, answers or just wants to win, correct? Right. So to the crowd that said, oh, Jameis Winston was our quarterback to get us 
to where we need to be. And he was a winner, blah, blah, blah. What do you say when Levante David's saying, okay, well, we just want to win. We want to soak up all your knowledge. Tell us what to do and we're going to do it. Like, do you honestly think Brady was a better decision over Winston? Not just because of interceptions. I'm talking like future-wise. I'm talking, I mean, because Brady's here one, two years. Mm-hmm. Is it the best decision for the long haul? I mean, because we don't know what the draft's going to entail. I mean, uh, Chad Forbes said Jacob Easton and stuff. But right. what if we don't draft? Or what if we draft a six-rounder and it's not mm-hmm. Tom Brady? Like, right. Do you think it's the best decision overall? I think it's the best decision because it's the best decision for the team. Uh, Tom Brady is a better quarterback than Jameis Winston, period. That's That's all you have to say. I mean, Tom Brady is better than Jameis Winston. That's it period end of story so that's really what it came down to it's not a about future it's not about this it's not about that it's not about interceptions it's tom brady's a better quarterback and he's going to help this team be more successful because of his ability and his play on the field and off of it so just a better better player and you upgrade when you can upgrade you upgrade and that's what the bucks did I agree. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are talking about the decline of his play in the past. There's no, years. <laughs> there's no decline. You watch the tape. There's no decline. The guy's still got it. I, I mean, we're. I guess we're gonna have to do another film study because we're gonna keep yeah. spreading the. And guys, if you're looking about when we're gonna bring another film study, I'm thinking Jedrick Wills will be our next film study because I did a lot of film study on him and he's, he's my, OT one. I guess you would say. But, I mean, with the draft, I surely hope we don't take Josh Jones 14th overall. <laughs> I mean, I talked a lot. Let it go, Plus, Tell me what your true opinion is on that. Uh, uh, Josh Jones Josh at 14? Josh Jones at 14. His, his uh, talking about, like, other guys we like, about Josh Uchey, and then I, I we're like, going to take yeah. second round and... Yeah, I I just I don't I'm not sure on the Jacob Eason unless he falls to like you know the it's third not round. Not fourteen or first round at all. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm talking day two. Like the day two guys, Josh Uche, I could see. Um, obviously, the running backs that you mentioned, you know, Clyde edwards helaire and, and Cam Akers, and then you know Jacob Eason as a potential quarterback. I mean, maybe. Uh, but Josh Jones at fourteen, uh, I don't know. I guess I'd have this kind of same reaction I did last year of Devin White at five. Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'd be I'd be kind of disappointed, but again, I'd be happy to be surprised. So, you know, I, I get it if if that's who they have to take if they're forced to take that guy at, at fourteen, and you know they can't trade down, and and um, you know they feel he's the best player and gives them the best um, impact right away. Then I could see it, but you know, first reaction I'd be disappointed, obviously. Or something he said. Only two quarterbacks top ten. Do you... I see three. I see three going top ten. I, I see Hubert and Tua going back to back. I mean, unless he feels the Chargers are going to take an offensive lineman, and, and that would make sense since he feels you know the top four linemen are going to be gone. Um, you know that would be the way to do it if if it was going to happen. Uh, but yeah, I could easily see Tua falling just because of the medicals. But he is the better player, obviously. I still think he's the best quarterback in the class. Um, right there with Joe Burrow. And then, you know, Hubert, I think, is good enough. Um, He's just got to work on some little things, but I think he's got a lot of good stuff. And then Jordan Love, I think, is being slept on. I I think he's got a lot of upside. But again, it it goes about that potential versus, um, you know, what you are right now kind of thing, you know, risk versus reward. Um, So, but yeah, I I see three quarterbacks. All right, so what if, Tua's at 14. What if by some chance... Oh, some man. Cra- if he's... Some crazy <sighs> chance. People just couldn't make a pick because their their bandwidth went, yeah. went out. And and their kid clicked the power button on the computer. Oops. Pass. <laughs> what if he's there at, at 14? What do you do as a yeah. buck? Yeah, that'd be might, what do you do? That would be funny, like, if, <laughs> if there are, like, hacks in this draft because it is going to be, like, on Zoom or something, like, virtual. Um, and, like, I don't know. That would be the Bucks. you know. Someone hacks the Bucks and they pick, um, like, Shea Patterson first round or something like that. So 
But yeah, getting back to Tua, I mean, if he's there at 14, I think you, I hope, I hope they would consider it. Um, either that or trade trade down with, you know, someone that wants a quarterback like the Patriots and like take all their picks, something like that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I would consider two at 14. That'd be an ideal scenario. I mean, you could redshirt him the first year and then have him for next year ready to, to lock and reload if, if you want to move on from Brady or, or, or maybe just let Brady play out his contract and then you have, you know, two sitting there like Aaron Rodgers. So I'd be happy with it. I'd be a scenario. I don't think it's even possible, considering no. he was he was the first overall pick. I mean, yeah, I, I I find it hard to believe he makes it past six overall. I think either Miami or San Diego takes him. Maybe. Or sorry, Los Los Angeles. I keep saying San Diego. You shit the bed. <laughs> and then Robert Green said it's Herbert, bro, not Hubert. It's not sorry. Hubert. It's Herbert. Herbert. There you go. But uh, yeah. I guess. Last thing, do you like the uniforms okay or make it have been better? Oh, never mind. There's another question, but go on the. I love the uniforms. Me too. That's all you had to say. There's yeah. Michael Treeman. Uh, I haven't heard this name, so thank you. Nice. Well, well, Mike. Nice to meet you in the chat. He says, everyone is so stuck on us drafting Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and it really makes me scratch my head when I look at his size and 40 time and compare mm. him with other backs. Any back would look good for LSU. Hmm. What is your take on that? Uh, don't don't look at size and forty time. There's a lot more to running back than size and forty time. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is a complete back. The guy can do it all. Um, he's quicker than fast, and that's all you need. He knows how to read holes. His vision. I recommend uh, checking out our YouTube channel. Checking out Clyde Edwards Hilaire film study. Uh, it will show a lot more than just size and um, 40 time. Yeah, I mean, I agree with him. Check out our film study of him. I mean, yes, he doesn't have long speed. I believe he ran a 4.6, and he's, he's smaller. MJD was smaller, but he had some long damn speed. The thing is, he has natural hands. He has great center of just change of direction speed, Um balance with his moves i mean once he makes a decision it's it's done and he's got great vision i mean he's got a total package he just doesn't have deep speed i mean not many people are gifted with henry Ruggs' speed i mean right. that's that's one of the things where you just can't teach it they just got it right it's god given but i mean we're not saying first round we're saying second maybe I don't think he'd make it the third, but right. it'd be a perfect fit for what Tom Brady likes to do. It'd be a perfect fit for what we don't really have as in a pass catcher. Even though Ronald Jones looks like he's been working on it a lot, I don't mm-hmm. agree that Ronald Jones is a bust at all. Uh, Michael Treeman says, so you think he's better than the other backs, Swift, Dobbins? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I think DeAndre Swift is, is RB1, and then you have you know Dobbins, you have Jonathan Taylor. All three of those guys are really good, um, you know. And, and Cam Akers, I think, you know, maybe that's someone the Bucks prefer. I mean, Chad talked about him as as being a potential target, and he does have speed. Um, he's got long speed, so you know, the Bucks maybe they they like a guy with with more speed. But we're just talking about fit from a fit standpoint. I mean, Edward Solaire is something you would like to have on this team just because he would fit so well with what Ronald Jones can do already on the field so it'd be a, a nice match but yeah i mean they could go after any of the backs i mean dobbins is i think is really good um another complete back jonathan taylor fits the bill as well uh deandre swift same thing so there's a lot of good running backs in this class um it doesn't have to be clyde edwards hilaire yeah i mean it's not, we're not like we're stuck on him and saying oh if we don't take him that's the end all be all our draft sucks i mean <laughs> we're not thinking that at all yes if Jonathan Taylor is there in the second round. I'd jump on him. I think Jonathan Taylor is like one of the top, if not the top running back. And yeah, Swift, Dobbins, I agree with you. Those are better all-around running backs. But if they're off the board and we're at number, we're in the second round and Edwards Hilaire is there, I have him really, really, really high value. And a lot of people say he's too small, he can't block, but he brings a lot to the game. And you can teach blocking. Right. Yeah, you can't teach size, but you can teach technique. 
I mean, that's the biggest thing. Everyone wants, oh, give me something you can't teach. Yep. Well, he's got amazing vision. He's got amazing quickness. He's got amazing just will to win. I mean, a lot of people saw that in Jameis Winston, but he just didn't produce it on the field every every Sunday. But it's just, well, we've got a couple more questions actually coming. But, I mean, <laughs> we're just really big fans of him. If you, if you want to see it further, just go check out our film study of him. Um X Clue Garvey says again, us as fans know we need a tackle, but I don't think BA or Jason is too concerned with O line. I don't think it's a lock we got tackled even if one is there. Jason is unpredictable. Mm. Yeah, I mean that's that's a fair point. I mean we he did trade up for a kicker, so <laughs> you know, anything anything's on the table always with the Bucks. Uh but it, yeah, it's gonna it's just gonna depend on how you know the draft falls. I mean, last year we could we could it would be easier to predict last year's pick because we were at five and um, you know, you could pretty much tell who's going to be available this year. I mean, we really don't know. And plus the process is, is so um, unpredictable now because of, you know, we don't have workouts. We don't have private visits. Um, They're doing a lot of Skype meetings and stuff like that. So really don't know what is true and what's not. I mean, there's a lot of smoke that could be blowing either direction um, for certain prospects. So um anything's possible i mean we could see a lot of movement we could see no movement uh you could see quarterbacks receivers go top 10 all that stuff is in play so um it just really depends on how everything falls i think he's right about we're slightly unpredictable but more of the second round i mean like like i mentioned who knew sean murphy bunting right yeah no one thought that right i mean mike edwards Anthony yeah. Nelson, we liked Anthony Nelson a lot, but no one was really talking about him. I mean, correct. So, I mean, these were names where, besides the first round, you don't really hear anyone's name. Mm-hmm. And now we're in the middle of the first round. When we drafted Vita Vea, didn't anyone think we we're going to draft him? Everyone thought Derwin James. Everyone thought that was who we were going to pick, and we we fudged up for not taking him. <laughs> so, I mean, at fourteen, you never know. I mean, I'm I'm hoping, like. Chad said, I mean, Javon Kinlaw falls, and oh, because of character concerns. I mean, I to me, I, I see the same path that Peyton Barber took, but a guy that has everything you can't teach and something you just need to tell him, okay, use these God-given gifts. And here he has displayed it big time. He's a top 10 talent, in my opinion. If his mm-hmm. knee concerns and character concerns drop him, I'm okay with taking him. Yeah. But, um... One other question. Uh, this is from Skip33758. He says, I prefer a back that replaces Rojo, not compliments him. What do you think? Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I I just, I'm not like, you know, the, the, the days of like the cowbell running back, I'm just not sold on, um, you know, anymore. I think those days are gone. I think you need a stable of backs that can do multiple things. Ideally, you want backs that can do everything um that way you can they can be interchangeable so yeah i mean i I understand what he's saying i mean he wants a more talented back i guess than rojo but i think rojo is still pretty good i think just lack of opportunities um to really showcase what he can do has hurt him so far and i agree with you i mean like we're not looking for replacement i don't think you need to be worried about replacing and just what i think you just want to add to the position yeah, I mean, where can you find upgrades of what you don't really have right now? Right? So, I mean, you don't have a yeah. great pass catcher. You don't have a shifty guy that can make something happen out of nothing. And Rojo did show that sometime. What was that? I think it was a 49ers game where he caught one pass. It was like third and 15 or third and 20. He got the first down. Yeah, yeah he got 25 yards. Right? Yep. So, I mean, it. I, I don't necessarily think it needs to be – draft everything offense but then again chad said a lot of things last year were like ah, and mm-hmm. I, I fought it and it and it yeah. ended up coming to fruition but yeah ends up being right so i'm hoping it is between offensive tackle and javon kinlaw and they go i don't know but <laughs> uh so then also robert green also said he told us about vita vea other outlets like those think ron jones is a bust <laughs> yeah and then Exclude Garvey said again, who's available at the running back position in free agency? Uh, don't think we're looking there right now. Um, 
I think free agents pretty much are put on hold. Um, it's kind of like what you know Chad says, just market and value. I think you'll maybe see a couple guys added once we get closer to training camp and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, and hopefully we we're on schedule for a season. So um, yeah, I think that's just wait and see. I don't think there's really any targets um, as far as running back goes. Robert Green again. Jones caught a lot of passes and took them for big gains. I, I fully agree with that. I mean, the the fact that he said Ronald Jones is a bust off of a one year of production, I totally disagree. I mean, right. I even kind of gave the case, and I I'm not gonna just get in severe arguments with 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 people, but <laughs> unless it's plus, I mean, if it's plus, I'm gonna get pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> but I mean, hey, let. I'm just trying to get opinions from outside perspectives to see what people think. Mm-hmm. And to, in my opinion, I think <laughs> actually no. <laughs> Where is this? I I uh, can't even get it. Well, we're gonna tell uh, that news to our next guest um, that we have lined up, and I guarantee you, he's gonna he's gonna agree with us. He's gonna fight that Ron Jones is not a bust. <laughs> I mean, oh, here it is. In my opinion, that sucked. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's that's all you can kind of say. I mean, Ronald Jones got better and better as the year went on. I mean, the first game he did really good. Then all of a sudden they were like, oh, no, we're going to give the Peyton Barber the ball. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, why did you take the ball away from him? And then you give him the ball again and he starts doing well. I mean, the Rams game, he looked like a, a beast. Last game of the year, he looked like a beast. I mean, give him the ball more, give him more touches and see what happens. He doesn't need to be a bell cow, but... Just give him more opportunities. That's that's to me. It's all you need. Cutter didn't obviously know it. Ba found out obviously based off of the off season. Saw what he could do. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just giving him. Again, we we can't be down so much. We got to be able to run the ball. So, and then efficiently. Okay. So, I do not think he's a bust at all. And then Robert Green one more. He said not enough opportunities. Again, like I said, maybe if the former starting QB actually saw him more often. That is a big, big point, and mm. that is something where I can't wait to see this season if it is actually true. Like, so all the Jameis supporters, we initially were one, and then fell out of love, and I guess initially, or not initially, and then eventually became Jameis haters. <laughs> what if Tom Brady ends up making this offense run amazing, hitting little dumps to Rojo, or... Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Brandon McLennan, I see you. Yep. <laughs> um what if little dumps like that go for ten yards and then all of a sudden people get pissed off about the little dumps that are going for ten yards? And then Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller get these 30, 40, 50 yard chunks. Because right. everyone kiss it's the same concept the Patriots do. It's just the decision making of your quarterback and personality of your quarterback, thinking, Oh, I need to hit a home run every time, or let me get single, 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 and then when I see my bread and butter, I'm going to hit a home run. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that's the mentality that we have been seeing. I just don't think many Buck fans have been seeing it. They just didn't think they they blame it on Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich for messing them up. I mean, there's once the ball is hiked, they don't have any say. They just drew up the play. It's does the man with the ball in his hands execute it correctly. That's the only thing. And right. I don't think he really did. Nope. <laughs> And it's like I said earlier, I mean, the Bucks. it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a decision between Jameis Winston versus Tom Brady. It was a decision for the Bucks and how to make this team better. And Tom Brady is clearly better. Yeah. (laughs) Tom Brady is clearly a better option. So they went with the better option and they feel he's a better player. And that's what you do as a franchise. You try to get the best players you can on your team. Tom Brady's one of them. So now we see what happens. You better, you better check your check your sheet. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I bet he's checking his sheet a lot these days. I'm balling. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I don't mean to bash. Okay, so I'm not gonna insult an injury. To me, it's <sighs> it's not bashing. We're just spreading the truth. I mean, you know, Greg Allman brought up a tweet today about the running game and how the running game of the Patriots and the Bucks are pretty much the yeah, same last year. We said that all last year too. But we and, were on YouTube. We're on a, just solely a podcast. <laughs> right. And it just goes into our point of how the running game does not 
really matter. I mean, it doesn't affect the quarterback decision-making. No matter how good the run game is, a quarterback could still throw a pick on any play. You know, it's about making the right reads and the right choices on the field. And the run game, yes, it helps, but doesn't decide if a quarterback throws a pick or not. Decision-making, I, I kind of made my point. I shouldn't have to repeat it <laughs> Right. <laughs> but, I mean, we're going to find it out this year. And, I mean, as the draft approaches, guys, we're going to keep pushing out more film study, more whatever right. you guys want us to do. Tweet us, join our Facebook, do whatever you want. I mean, just mm-hmm. ask questions and we'll look deeper into it. I mean, obviously, with this time that we're in, People, some people are unemployed. Some people just have hours being cut. I'm one of those. And it's just like, we want to fill our time with something. And Tampa Bay Buccaneer football is what we love talking about. And literally live and breathe. We've been doing this for, what, two years now? But living and breathing Bucks football for our lifetime. Right. It's just being able to have a platform to do it. So if you want to join, I mean, there's links down below. Just join our groups ask us anything, ask us what we should look into next. I mean, obviously offensive line is the help, but does it really need to be first round? That's the question that we've all been debating, but this draft has got me hyped. I think it's got everyone hyped. How do you feel before we head on out us? Yeah, no, I'm ready. I mean, we're only a couple of weeks away from it. Um, you know, it's, ex- it's exciting that it, it's on the way. I just hope everything runs smoothly as far as this online, you know, process that they're going to be going through and, Hopefully everything runs good and, you know, you don't hear any like complaints afterwards. I'm, I'm sure there will be complaints regardless, but yeah, I just hope like the coverage and everything runs smoothly and I'm sure it will. I know ESPN and NFL network, they're going to do a great job. Um, I think we're going to be probably live streaming um, over the draft. So that'll be fun. Um, so it'll be different and, and exciting. Um, but yeah, I'm ready for it. You know, only a couple of weeks out. Yeah. Be prepared for a lot of beers or a lot of, I don't know what I'm going to have, but, 14's a long wait, guys, so there may be some fireworks going on at 14. <laughs> but other than that, guys, go box. Enjoy your week. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll see you in the next one. Yeah.